Today on Government Matters, federal workers test positive for coronavirus. What's next for making your workplace safe or your telecommute easier? Which agencies are at the front lines of the response? Deputy Director for Management Margaret Weikert will tell you. And in the middle of the coronavirus response, the Trump administration's HR leader is gone. Our reporter panel will tell you what it means. Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The Agriculture Department's confirmed an employee at headquarters in Washington tested positive for coronavirus this week. The Department of Homeland Security says at least eight transportation security agency agents have it, and employees at agencies across government are on the front lines of fighting the pandemic. One of them's Margaret Weikert, Deputy Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget. And Margaret, thanks very much for coming on. I guess my first question is, why are you still there? You were supposed to be finished uh, as DDM last week. Why are you still on the job? Um, well, thanks for letting me join you today. Um, I'm still here because I'm trying to, to help pitch in uh, as we support the cross-agency, all-of-government efforts that are very needed and very critical at this important time of national emergency uh, and wanted to make sure that there was a consistent transition and a lot of the infrastructure uh, that supporting command and control of cross-agency activities uh, continued. And um, I, I've uh, been working very hard to ensure that we've got a smooth set of routines and cadences in place before I leave. What's the top of the list priority-wise for communications across government, both within individual agencies and how agencies are communicating among each other about what's going on? So we've instituted a daily call with the leading uh, organizations across government. Uh, we call it the Executive PMC, the Executive President's Management Council. And this is a group that I've worked with uh, during my time uh, in government to coordinate the operational aspects of our government activities. And so we meet daily, we get a situational update and then we coordinate a range of topics that then impact our workforce, our procurement policies, IT buildings, um, and supply chain activities that are affecting all of our government agencies. What are the, what's the general line of discussion in those? What should those people what, be pushing down to their employees? And what should employees be expecting to hear about all of those topics that you just mentioned? So it's probably clear at this point that the circumstances on the ground have varied over time and across jurisdictions. And so rather than try to figure out every single case uh, that we need to respond to from the top, we've been working to provide broad guidance and increasing latitude to agency heads, bureau heads, department heads to make decisions. I think the key thing that is very clear now that we are in a situation of a national emergency is that we need a national response and we are doing that on things like telework where uh, two days ago we pushed out guidance that really encouraged and and uh, maximized our posture around telework 
And over the last 48 hours, you've seen a huge amount of communications go from every CFO Act agency and almost every uh, small agency that is increasing the telework posture dramatically, not only for those people who were already telework enabled, but increasingly over the last 24 hours, we've been pushing out the mechanisms by which individuals could telework even if they had not previously been eligible. And most importantly, for people not in mission critical activities, if needed, we are giving them weather and safety leave uh, coverage so that we can uh, smooth the past, increase social distancing, and leave the focus as it should be on those mission critical activities, particularly as they relate to dealing with the crisis itself. What kind of turnaround are you seeing for agencies who have employees who maybe don't have telework agreements in place, but management decides it's okay for that employer, that group of employees to telework? How soon are agencies able to turn those into actual telework uh, situations? So it, it obviously varies, but what we're seeing, just to give you a couple of examples, I got an update on the call today, uh, Department of Labor has gone to 90% uh, declines in face-to-face -face worker, workers. So that means that pretty much everyone um, who should be teleworking has been notified and is actually teleworking. Now it's important for your viewers to understand many of the missions that we support at the federal government level are critical to the national response to this crisis. And so you might not think an IT worker is on the front lines of uh, supporting our coronavirus response, but if an IT worker is helping others do telework or helping support the uh, technical uh, components of the people who have to work face-to-face, that IT worker's work is also mission critical. Same with contracting officers. Uh, if they're supporting contracts that are helping HHS uh, uh, departments like CDC and NIH uh, get the critical uh, supplies and goods and guidance out, those mission support functions are also critical. So I think one of the things that is missing in the broader narrative is you can't just look at somebody's job and say, is that critical or not? The agencies themselves are in the best position to say, does that worker play a role in supporting the broad response to this emergency? Margaret, stand by. We'll continue our conversation in a moment. More with Margaret Weikert, the Deputy Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget. Straight ahead on Government Matters. We'll be right back. Welcome back. President Trump says the Food and Drug Administration is fast-tracking drugs that it finds effective in fighting coronavirus. It's just one of the agencies on the front lines of fighting the pandemic. Margaret Weikert is Deputy Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget. Margaret, which are the agencies that are furthest forward on the front lines of fighting this for the entire nation, not just within the government? Yeah, um, it, it, it's hard to call out just a couple because the entire focus of the federal government really is responding in an integrated way across agencies to the crisis. What I can say in the uh, supplemental uh, 
request that we sent to Congress for additional appropriations associated with uh, dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, some of the biggest asks related to the missions that VA has in not only uh, supporting our veterans' healthcare needs, but also supporting the broader healthcare infrastructure of the country. Um, HHLS, Health and Human Services, uh, is across the board, whether it's CDC, NIH, um, and Medicare, Medicaid, um, uh, the FDA are all critical to the front line of this fight. So they're getting a large um, request as part of that. Department of Defense is supporting a range of mission essential activities and Department of Homeland Security, FEMA in particular, uh, is facing incremental costs that are, are being included here. But I wanted to actually share a number of other uh, agencies who, again, you might not think of as on the front lines, uh, but I heard yesterday um, we had a very rapid response uh, by OPM to a request from the VA to help in, ensure we could get uh, retired healthcare workers back into the fight by dealing with the retired annuitant questions. Uh, and OPM was very rapid in responding to that uh, under the new leadership of Mike Regas. Um, SBA and FEMA are working very closely together to increase call center capacity so we can support small businesses who have questions about getting access to loans to deal with the crisis. Um, the Social Security Administration is working to triage face-to-face -face activities so we don't put vulnerable populations like the elderly in harm's way, but also continue to serve those people and uh, just yesterday, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy issued some new FAQs to include our contracting community and help bring them into the communications flow. So again, those are just a sample of all the kinds of activities that we're working on. You mentioned the change in leadership, Margaret, at the Office of Personnel Management, Dale Cabanis uh, leaving this week. Any sense of what the impact uh, of that might be on the workforce and the efforts to serve the workforce throughout all of this? So our, our primary focus in everything we're doing today is to really focus on balancing the health and safety needs of our employees and the mission requirements that Americans need. And I'm very confident that, that Mike Regas, the acting OPM director, has that mission front and center in his mind. To the point of the employees, if an employee has a question or a concern about something that she sees in her workplace if she has to go in, or the interaction with a manager about telework that doesn't seem to make sense, what's the recourse, what's the appeal process if there is such a thing for an employee who's not really comfortable with the response with, with the service they're getting from their agency? So I wouldn't use the word appeal process okay. because we are on a, a wartime type footing. Yes. Uh, trying to deal with broad communications. And as you can imagine, the amount of questions that are being asked is overwhelming in a lot of cases, the capacity to provide individualized responses to them. What I would say to workers who feel like they haven't, no one has reached out and touched them specifically, start with your supervisor and your human resource officers and ensure that you are connecting to the resources that have been broadcast about what is going on at your agency. I think a lot of people learned in the lapse in appropriations that took place last year 
how important it is to shift from trying to get individual answers to every question, to look at the FAQs that are posted on agency websites, to look at operating status updates. Um, the OPM app, for example, has uh, links to a lot of good information that employees can uh, get. If you look to social media, whether it's Twitter um, or other social media, um, all of those things are very efficient ways to get answers to frequently asked questions and not um, uh, tie up resources who are working to do things like figure out how we get doctors and nurses back in the fight against the virus. We have about a minute left, Margaret. What else do you want the workforce to know about the work that's going on, not just to fight the virus, but to protect the employees of the federal government? So thanks a lot for that question, Francis. And that maybe is the most important question. I want every federal employee and all of the contracting community that works on our critical missions to know you are in this fight with us, whether you are teleworking or whether you're on weather and safety leave or whether you like me have to come into the office in order to be present to do your mission critical activities. All of you are playing a role in this emergency posture. And this is really an unprecedented experience, I think, for most of us in our lifetimes, uh, that we have to really balance health and safety, not only our, of ourselves as individuals, but also of our communities, and that we have a critical coordinating role to play. And I know our workforce is absolutely focused on that. And I thank them all deeply for that continued commitment to the mission that we have of protecting lives and the missions that we have that American people depend on. Margaret, I can't imagine what the workload is like. Thanks for taking time to talk to me today. It is my pleasure and I thank you. Up next, a cross-government look at the response to the coronavirus pandemic and what's coming next for Fed. Straight ahead on Government Matters, our all-star panel on the federal beat. You're watching ABC7. Welcome back, Deputy Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget. Margaret Weicker told you a moment ago about the federal government's response to the coronavirus and how it's working to keep employees safe in the workplace. For another perspective, Nicola Grisco, workforce and personnel reporter, and Adam Masmanian, executive editor at FCW. Thanks both very much for joining me this morning. Nicole, I want to start with you. What's your takeaway from the conversation I had with Margaret? I think I was most interested in the idea of giving broad authorities to agencies to do what they think they need to do during the coronavirus. And I think that's been maybe the most interesting piece of this whole response and agency's preparations is I think we're seeing actually a really varied uh, preparation response from some of these agencies. And the fact that that's actually been the administration's approach, I found particularly interesting. Adam, what's your takeaway from uh, Margaret's comments on what's next and, and what has been happening so far uh, for federal employees? Yeah, um, I guess the thing that I noticed the most was uh, I thought uh, the various uh, sort of tranches or phases of uh, guidance were coming kind of one after the other. And it seemed a little bit, um, a little bit disconnected. Uh, for rank and file feds that I've spoken with and even fairly senior managers, I, they didn't really feel comfortable um, knowing what to do. 
a, a lot of the time. I think the best thing that happened was the guidance that came out uh, covering vulnerable employees and encouraging uh, uh, either safety leave or, or work at home even without agreement. I thought that was really uh, crucial and a good idea. But I think in general, um, the response to me feels like it's about a week or two weeks behind from where it needed to be to really kind of clear out, at least in the capital region, downtown D.C., for the sake of the safety that uh, public health officials are trying to accomplish. Adam, we're seeing reports about concerns about infrastructure, IT infrastructure, to support telework at various agencies. What are you hearing about that, or, or what, have, uh, what have we actually seen about uh, agencies either succeeding or not succeeding mm -hmm. as well as they'd like infrastructure-wise? So DHS did a, a stress test, uh, FAA, uh, as I understand it, uh, yesterday uh, kind of informally urged employees to work at home in order to see uh, how, what the strain would be like on the network. Um, I haven't heard back anything in particular. My, my personal experience is, uh, you know, channeling bandwidth isn't the problem in a lot of these cases, um, but security, um, is, can you get at your files? If you're not on the cloud uh, and you're going through a, a, a network uh, of a different type, uh, this can be a, a bigger deal. The other thing is if you need equipment, if you're not telework ready and you have to be provisioned with equipment, well, the supply chains are a little bit slowed down and it's going to be tough um, sometimes to get that laptop to you and to get that face-to-face -face time uh, or on the phone time with an IT technician to do the sort of mundane things like mapping your drive so that you can access your files from your network. Nicole, you mentioned the uh, the interest that you took in the discussion about the varied approaches that agencies are taking to this. Are you seeing or hearing about consistent threads among agencies across government, or is it your sense that agencies pretty much are going their own directions on how to decide who can telework and how to decide when they should telework, how to clean buildings and so on? I think it's been pretty varied so far. I think we're seeing some agencies take really divisive action. They are closing buildings or portions of buildings if an employee does become sick. On the other hand, I think we're also seeing agencies take a really different approach where maybe even the response varies by the day. I think at Social Security Administration, that's a good example. USDA, the Agriculture Department, that's another example of agencies where we're hearing really mixed responses. Also, I think we're hearing that a lot of the guidance gives direction to individual supervisors and managers to make up their own minds about how they might want to approach telework or some of these things. And I think that's caused some confusion where maybe managers aren't really used to having that decision-making authority uh, directly. And they're kind of almost frozen when it comes time to maybe make a decision like that. Is part of that because of what we've discussed in this space all the time, Nicole, and that is the issue of being almost afraid to make a mistake, that somebody doesn't want to do the wrong thing, and overthinking it or, or thinking about it very deliberately becomes the strategy. I think that's true, and I think a lot of it comes into maybe being a little still risk adverse in you know, an environment where you might be accused of ultimately making the wrong decision or overreacting. I mean, we don't know how much at this point an overreaction will be an overreaction. So I think that's maybe the hesitancy that agencies and individual managers are experiencing. Adam, what will you watch as this moves forward? What are the markers that you see coming down mm -hmm. the line? Or is it even possible to think about something like that, given that we don't know so many things that, that could be happening or, or how this could turn? 
Let me just pick up on one thing uh, Nicole was talking about before, because sure. I think this is important. Um, the culture of certain agencies, especially agencies that are focused around a frontline mission where the people are still out in the field, whether it's the post office, it's air traffic controllers, it's law enforcement, um, I, I think that there's a kind of disconnect with those people who have to be out on the front lines and then giving the office staff uh, telework. I think that there's a cultural hurdle that they have to get over and say like, well, you're not really supporting the mission by going in the office and getting on the metro or driving your car. And I think that's something that's been tough for, 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 for federal managers to say, we are gonna pull back. We're gonna let the people on the front lines do their jobs and we're gonna let the office staff um, get out of the get out of the fray. Nicole, we have about uh, a minute. We have about a minute left. Sorry, Adam. We have, but I want to ask you about Dale Cabinets' departure. What's been the reaction overall to her leaving the Office of Personnel Management this week in the middle of all of this? I think it's a pretty confusing time. Uh, OPM is supposed to be the leader when it comes to federal workforce issues like telework and all these things that we've been talking about. And it seems like this is another indication of maybe some butting heads between OPM and the Office of Management and Budget. So not having another permanent leader at OPM, I mean, sure, it's a concern right now. Nicole and Adam, thanks both very much for joining us under these really unusual circumstances. Appreciate your input. Our coverage of the impact of the coronavirus on the federal marketplace continues at 8 and 11 every night this week on WJLA 24-7 News. And we want to hear from you. Email us your questions or comments at info at govmatters.tv or tweet us at govmatters.tv. You're watching ABC7. We'll be right back. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and next Sunday morning at 1030 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Andrew Wagner. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.